Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to jump straight in. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. We are in a series that is called God of the Impossible. God of the Impossible. In this series, we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about what faith is, why faith is important, why God has even given us the ability to have faith. Today, I want to talk about something really exciting. I want to talk about how to use your faith. We've been talking about what faith is, why we have faith, the importance of our faith. Today, I want to talk about how to use your faith. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19, there is a scripture that I imagine if you've been around church for any capacity, for any amount of time, you may have heard this scripture. And I want to read it to you today from Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. It says... And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, let me just read that one more time. I don't know if you were listening. Let me, let me try this again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Why don't you just do this with me for a second? Turn to your neighbor. Just say all your needs. Oh, why don't you turn to your other neighbor? Why don't you make it personal? Say, all my needs. See, I want to preach from a very simple idea today. All your needs. All of them. Every need. Every single need that you have in your life. All your needs. The book of Philippians is really interesting because Paul is noted by historians to be writing this book that we call a book, but is actually a letter to the church at Philippi. This is a church that he helped to establish, and it says that historians believe, and we can see through scripture, that Paul, he was writing this letter from prison. He was writing this letter to a church while he himself was in bondage. And, and it's interesting when you study a little bit about the church at Philippi, if you study them and, and learn a little bit about their history, it, it's not uncommon to believe that actually the, the first people that were a part of this church weren't really the most wealthy, most educated, the, the top of their class group of people. They were just regular people. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, we see Paul going into Philippi. And as he goes into Philippi, the first person that ever we see that Paul leads to Christ is this woman who is a business owner. She is selling clothes by a river. This is the first convert that we see that the church at Philippi has. That When the gospel arrives to Philippi, this woman that Paul ministers to, she's a business owner. She receives Christ, gets baptized, and the church begins to form. 
The next person that we see that is a part of this founding group of members in the church at Philippi is this this demon-possessed slave girl. This is the second member that we see in Scripture for the church of Philippi. It's a demon-possessed slave girl that... She's been enslaved because the demon has possessed her in a way that she can predict the future. And so there are people who want to use that to use the chains, the bondage that are on her for their benefit. Now, I could preach that for a second, but I'm going to move on. The people want to use the bondage that's on her for their benefit, so they enslave her. And when Paul gets to Philippi, he's preaching and teaching. And this slave girl is behind him shouting out, hey, everybody, he's from God. This is a man of God. And Paul eventually turns back around to her, casts the demon out of her, and she gets healed, set free, and saved. The second member of the church at Philippi. But what happens in this story, which is interesting because if you were listening to the worship team, uh, I didn't plan this, but it's interesting how God plans things because what happens after this is that Paul gets put in jail. This is the story where the, the prison begins to shake at midnight. This is the same story. That the prison begins to shake at midnight. God shows up, sets everybody free. There's a Philippian jailer that's at the jail. He's getting ready to kill himself because everybody that was in prison is now free and he thinks they have all left. But in this moment, Paul sees him, says, hey, don't do that. We're, we're all here. Everybody's good. No one has left. And because of this, this jailer has a radical encounter with Jesus. He gets baptized. His whole family gets baptized. Everybody has been converted to Christians. They have all put their faith in Jesus. Why does any of this matter? Because when Paul says to the church at Philippi, my God will meet all of your needs, he's not talking to a group of people who have never experienced anything. He's not talking to a group of people who have everything in life figured out. He's not talking to a group of people who grew up in royalty and have never had a need in their lives. He is talking to people like you and me who have been through some things, who have some needs, who put their faith in Jesus, but need something from Jesus too. He's not just talking to a group of people who this wouldn't have meant anything to. He's talking to people with needs. And it's interesting that the spirit of God would lead Paul to say something so all encompassing to people who needed him. My God will meet all your needs. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Paul to write such an all encompassing statement? Could I just venture to give you a quick answer? Because they had a lot of needs, (laughs) right? Like, why does God need to meet all of your needs? Why why not just say, hey, I know that you guys have been believing for this to happen. God's going to do that for you guys. 
Hey, I know as a church, you've been trying to see something happen in this family. Yeah, God's going to do that for you guys. Oh, I can see that there's some people who need some jobs in here. Don't worry. God's going to provide all the jobs that you need. Why go and make this all-encompassing statement that says everything that you need, my God will provide well. It's because they had needs and God is the only one who can meet every single one of them. I just want to preach this to you this morning so that this message gets in your heart all your needs. This is not the words of Brian. This is the word of God. All your needs. See, I I imagine if you had some needs in here, this would be something that would be quite interesting to you. If you had some things in your life that it's like, you know what, I I need this and I need this and I, I need a little bit of this. And God, if actually you could help me with With this, that'd be great. See, and as I was prepping and preparing for this message, one of the things that the Lord gave me a burden for was that many of us may not be experiencing the fullness of this promise. Like like many of us may not actually be experiencing the fullness of what it means for God to supply all of our needs. We may have seen God show up in some different ways and glory to God for that. Amen. But I, I got this burden that maybe there are some of us and some of you in here today who, who haven't seen the fullness of this, that God will supply all your needs. The interesting thing about God when he gives promises is oftentimes God's promises are connected to God's principles. Now get this, God, he makes some big promises. But oftentimes as we read scripture, if we'll be mindful, God doesn't just give promises. He also gives principles by which those promises are accessed. God's promises are connected to God's principles. Let me just give you a really quick, easy example of this. John 3.16. I imagine many of you could quote this. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You've heard this. You've probably seen this. It may be plastered on your wall somewhere. What's the promise? Eternal life. But it's not just, hey, grab a hold of eternal life. It's yours. There's a principle connected to it. What's the principle? Well, if you will believe in Jesus, then you can access this promise. God's promises are connected to God's principles. The same thing is true for Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. See, for so long, I thought the Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 was just an extension of Malachi 3.10. I don't know if you ever read the scripture, heard the scripture, Malachi 3.10. We'll put it up on the screens. It talks about God, that we are to bring our tithes into the storehouse so there would be food in his house, right? I thought that Philippians 4.19 was just an extension of Malachi 3.10. The truth is, it's not. It's something completely different, actually. Because... Malachi 3.10 talks about a tithe, the, the tenth. Philippians 4.19 is not talking about a tithe. 
It's talking about something that is called an offering. It's talking about something that is sacrificial. Why is this not talking about the tithe then? What's the difference here? Well, the difference is really simple. When we talk about the tithe, we're talking about something that you don't own. I don't know if you knew this or not, but scripture teaches us that you can rob God. How can you rob God of anything? Well, it's because you have something that belongs to him and you're not giving it to him. That's the tithe. I'm not talking about that. I'm going to leave that there for you. But I'm talking about I'm talking about an offering, something that's sacrificial. Sacrifice deals with ownership. I can't sacrifice anything that doesn't belong to me. That's why the tithe is not a sacrifice. The tithe is returning to God what's his. Make sense? So I'm talking about a sacrifice and not just me, but actually Paul in Philippians chapter four, verse 19 is talking about a sacrificial offering that led to a promise being accessed in the lives of the Philippians. This is the difference here. And I need you to get this, that God's promises are connected to God's principles. So what is the promise? It is God will supply all your needs. What's the principle? Well, let's read verses 14 through 19. It says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gift. What I desire is that you may be credit, that it may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Can you see it? Is it clear? What's the promise? All your needs. All encompassing everything. All of them. Every need that you have. All of them God will supply. What's the principle? A sacrificial offering towards a missionary. Is that not what Paul was? Paul went around, planted churches, and that was his call. That was his life. He was what we would call a modern-day missionary. What's the promise I really want you to get the promise. Like, I truly need you to see this. I I desire for the Holy Spirit to get this in you. All of your needs. Not some of your needs. Not the occasional meeting of a need. Not, hey, maybe in a couple weeks I can handle those needs. Maybe if you try again next year, maybe I'll think about taking care of those needs. This is an all-encompassing promise that says everything that you need, God will give it to you. That's the promise. 
But what's the principle that it's established upon? What's the principle that this promise is hinged upon? It is the principle of sowing sacrificially and offering into a missionary. And why would I share this with you? Because I imagine this is what Paul was trying to get to the church. He wanted them to receive more. See, Paul, his desire, he puts this in here. He says, my desire is not that you give me things. My desire is that as you give, God can give you things. This is is Paul's heart and this is my heart. My desire isn't that you give us things. My desire is that you understand there's a promise that's available that you might not be accessing because you haven't followed the principle. And as I think about even when it comes to missions, to giving to missionaries, there's two things that I think become really big challenges initially. The first, it's a financial sacrifice. Paul says that. He says, this is sacrificial. This is an offering. This is something that you have, that you are choosing to give as a sacrifice. Why is that a challenge? Well, because what's ours is ours, right? But God says, if you'll take what's yours, follow my principle with it, I'll give you way more. I'll I'll give you all that you need. And, and I think oftentimes the first part of giving towards missionaries is that, honestly, it's a financial sacrifice. We may have to change some things up sometimes. Or, or even it's just, I mean, I kind of like having a little extra in my savings account. Let's be honest. I think that initially the first challenge that oftentimes may come to our mind when we hear things about missions and missionaries and giving to them is like, ah. Somebody else will get to them. (laughs) It's a financial sacrifice. But is it really? Because this is what faith is, right? How to use your faith. Remember that? Remember we started with that? How to use your faith? Isn't it interesting that God would say, hey, if you will not just believe in the promise, if you'll believe in the one who made the promise, in the promise maker... If you believe in the promise and the promise maker enough to put your faith in action by giving, doing something that may feel uncomfortable, you can access more. This is what faith is. This is how we use our faith. It's we say, God, this is what you said. So because of that, what you said is going to inform how I act. And because I am acting based on what you said now... I can access everything that you've promised. This is faith. This is how we use our faith. Is it a financial sacrifice? I imagine it is. And honestly, it should be. We even read in scripture where where we talk about sacrifice and how to God we should be willing to sacrifice everything. It's our reasonable sacrifice. It's our reasonable service to him. I think initially when we talk about supporting missionaries, that's the first thing. It's just a financial sacrifice. Can I help you? I'm not here to try to convince you to give to us. I'm here to try to help you access a promise from God. That's what this word says. And that's what I believe God wants to get to you today is there's more. 
There's more that's available for you. If you will access the promise of God, how do you access any promise of God? Faith. Faith accesses the promises of God because faith says, God, I don't just see what you said. I'm going to put it into practice. And as I put it into practice, I am living by faith. And as I live by faith, you respond to your word. We put God in remembrance of his word. He said it, not me. He said it. So because of that, I believe it. And I put my faith into action by doing what he says. That's number one. Number two, I think the challenging part about supporting a missionary oftentimes is that, let's be honest, we just don't know any missionaries, right? It's like, I don't want to just give my money, just give it out to the wind. Like, I want to, I want to return on my seed. I want to know where it's going. If I'm going to send them some support, I want to know that they're, that they're a good investment, Hey, my name's Brian. Good to meet you. You've met your first missionary. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And what I want to do as we take this last section of your time, I want to share with you a little bit about what we're doing. See, I've been here since I was seven, been on staff for about six years now. And at the end of... 2021, the Lord really just started working with my heart, speaking to me about a transition that was coming. And as that happened, 2022 started, me and my wife started talking and I was like, babe, I think God is leading us into something new. And she was like, he definitely is. I sense it too. It's important to be married to the right person. (laughs) And, And as we started to pray about these things, as we started to Talk to Pastor Joel and people that we trust about these things. you got to be careful who you share, what God is speaking to you with. We started talking to people that we trusted, started having them pray for us and pray with us. And, and God began to make it really, really clear for us what he was calling us to do. We have started a ministry. It's called Plants and Pillars Project. And our mission is to plant churches and schools all through Latin America. We want to see God be known in the lives of those in Latin America. That's our heart. That's our mission. That's who we are. And the next question for us was like, okay, God, you've given us a vision. You've given us a mission. Where do we go? (laughs) And God brought in our hearts this state that's in Mexico that's called Queretaro. And I knew nothing about Querétaro. I've never lived in Querétaro. Natalia's never lived in Querétaro. I didn't know anything. So I do what anybody does whenever they need to find information quick. I Googled it. So I went on Google. (laughs) Come to find out. It's funny how sometimes we get surprised by how, how amazing God is. But come to find out, Querétaro is in this region in Mexico that's called the Circle of Silence. And the reason why it's called the circle of silence is because there is less than 6% evangelical Christians in that region. Less than 6%. It's the least evangelical area in all of the West. So all of North America, Central America, and South America, the area with the least amount of evangelical Christians. The circle of silence. When we saw that, we said, God, it makes sense. We'll go. We'll go. We'll plant a church. We'll plant a Christian school. We'll do everything that's in our heart that you have called us to do. 
And we went back to Querétaro. We went to Querétaro back in the end of 2022. And we spent some time there just like, Lord, uh, we're going to move here and everything, so do something. (laughs) And so we went. We we went with the prayer. Genuinely, our prayer was like, God, give us a God story. Like, we don't want to just go and, like, see places and do things. Like, we want a God story to confirm that you are calling us here. And we get there, and we're walking around. We're in the city. We're trying to look at people. Like, is it you? Is it you? Is it? Like, we're, we're like, our radars are up. We're trying to figure out who God wants us to talk to and what we're supposed to do. We get to the last day. Ain't nothing happened. I said, Lord, I may have missed it. I may, babe, we may stay in Mississippi. Uh. (laughs) But interesting how God works. The last day, we were working with a realtor because, you know, when you move somewhere, you got to have a place to live. (laughs) So we were working with a realtor trying to find something that we could like, something that would fit what we needed. And on the last day, we show up at the at the apartment that we were going to start looking at, and there were some other places we were going to look at that day. And as we show up, the, the realtor brought his wife with him because she was also a realtor, so they were kind of working together, trying to help us. It's like, great, no big deal. Uh, uh, as we're looking at this apartment, the wife, she looks at me and she says, hey, so, like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I actually currently work at a church back in the the U.S. and she was like, "Oh, okay." She says, "Are you a pastor?" I'm like, "Oh, well, yeah, I kind of am." And we're gonna move to to Mexico. We're gonna move here to plant a church and a school. And she says, "I knew you were a pastor." And I was like, "I don't know what that means." <laughs> like, I hope that's good. Again, less than six percent Christians. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then she asked a question that really just opened up her world. She said, so, so what do you guys believe? I said, that's a really good question. I said, we believe in the Bible. We believe in the God of the Bible. We believe God sent his son Jesus, like just sharing the simple gospel message with her. And what it did was it opened up this opportunity where for the rest of the day, they kept asking spiritual questions. And like, what about this? And what about this? From house to house, apartment to apartment. What about this? And, and what about this? To where we get to the last house that we're looking at. We're standing outside. And the wife's like, hey, I have another question before you go. And I'm like, yeah, ask me whatever. She begins to say, so like, how do you know if God's trying to speak to you? Like, does he use like signs? Does he use numbers? Like, genuinely, she's trying to figure out if God's trying to communicate to her. And it's in that moment I sensed the spirit of the Lord. I knew that God was getting ready to do something. And we started this conversation. And I don't know exactly how I got to this place, but somewhere along the way, I started sharing with her and her husband about the parable of the prodigal son. And as I do, the wife, she starts crying. I finish sharing, and the husband, he looks at me and he says, Brian, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about God. But I've never heard anybody talk about God as a father. 
And as I look back on my life, I see all the mistakes I've made. I see how much I've messed up. But one thing that I also see is how my family, they've never left me. They've never given up on me. They've always been there for me. If you're telling me there's a God like that, I want to get to know him. I say, you can know him right now, brother. Like, you don't, you don't have to wait. <laughs> this beautiful moment where God showed up and confirmed it for us. There, now. Queretaro, now. Why do I stand here before you today? Well, because I imagine this is kind of one of the moments that Paul had with the church at Philippi. When he was getting ready to leave, he would stand in front of them. I imagine him sharing about what God had placed on his heart, how God was calling him somewhere else to plant a church, to do his work. And I imagine the church at Philippi got excited, got encouraged, and wanted to be a part of what Paul was doing. See, for me, this is my modern-day Philippians moment where I get to stand before my church, the community I grew up in, the people that have seen me since I was a kid, and get to share about what God's doing. God is going to bless Queretaro. One of my favorite things is that we're not going back to nothing. We're going back to something. There's a family there. There's a community there. And God's doing something there. And what I want to do, similar to maybe how Paul did it, is I want to invite you to be a partner. I want to invite you to invest, to sow a seed, to join in with us, to see not just Queretaro, not just Mexico, but to see Latin America, Central and South America filled with believers, filled with followers of Jesus. God's promises are connected to God's principle. God has a promise available for you that he will provide, he will supply all of your needs. But it's connected to the principle of supporting a missionary. Could I humbly ask that maybe in your life for your family that we be those missionaries? That you consider us to be those missionaries. We are getting ready to leave. We'll leave in the middle of April. And I don't know when we're coming back. (laughs) But I do know that God's called us. And I do know that his word is true. And just like I am confident that God will provide all of our needs, the same God that has provided for us and that will continue to provide for us is the same God that will provide for you too. I just want to invite you to be a part of our journey, to join in, to partner with us. Right now, what that looks like on a financial level is we're looking for monthly partners. We're raising $8,300 a month. That covers all of our ministry costs and it'll cover all of our living expenses. Essentially, it's 83 people saying, hey, we want to be partners monthly for $100 a month. That would fully supply all of our needs. But again, I want to return to the words of Paul. It's not that I desire a gift from you. Don't get me wrong. Your gift is going to be a blessing to us. And I believe that we will be faithful 
to do all that God's called us to do. We'll be faithful with the seeds that you sow. But the reality is, is I believe God has much more available for you. You just need an opportunity to take hold of it. And we just want to be that opportunity for you. God's promises are connected to God's principles. As you leave service today, you're going to get a flyer. It's got all of our information on it. There's a booth that's right here. You probably saw it as you came in. There's a booth that's right here as you exit the sanctuary. We're going to go out there, be there. We've got a team that's going to be helping us. Come see us. Talk to us. We want to meet you. And if you want to be a partner with us, on that flyer, there's a QR code. There's also the link to our website. It's really simple to set it up. My desire is not that you would give something to us and say, I did a good deed today. My desire is that you would first internalize this promise from God. Let it, let it be seared on your heart. That God will provide all my needs. So because of that, I'm going to give in faith, believing that as I do, I am accessing the promise of all my needs. Amen. The first promise as I close that I believe that God desires for all of us is that first promise that we talked about in John 3:16. The promise of eternal life. Maybe for you today you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never had this moment to step across the line of faith and say, "You know what? I'm going to put my trust In Jesus, God's promise of eternal life is waiting for you. The principle is putting your faith in Jesus. And for you today, maybe you want to do that. I want to give you an opportunity for that. I'm going to give you this opportunity. We're going to pray. And then we're going to go into another song. And all of you have communion elements. And in that song with those elements. For all of you who are believers, I want to remind you of why we take communion. We are remembering the body of Jesus and we are remembering the blood that was shed for us. His body was broken so we don't have to be. His blood was shed to restore relationship with him. So maybe for you today, you say, you know what? (laughs) I'm glad you're going to be a missionary and everything, but I, I just need to know Jesus. <laughs> Can we just take a moment and bow our heads? Maybe for you today, you say, yep, I need to give my life to Christ. Then on the count of three, without waiting, I want you to just raise your hand. And as you raise your hand, you're not raising your hand to show me. You're raising your hand as a sign of surrender. It says, God, I mean it. I need you, and I want to give my life to Jesus. One, two, three. Say, yep, that's me. That's me. Beautiful, beautiful. Hands going up. Beautiful, beautiful. Yep, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Beautiful. You can put those hands right back down, and why don't we together, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and maybe you're in here and you've prayed this prayer before. I want to remind you that prayer is communication with the Father. It's us speaking to him and he hears it. So for everyone who raised your hand, and even if you didn't raise your hand, why don't we all pray this prayer together? 
I don't want you to just repeat this prayer after me. I want you to pray this prayer with me, that this is the prayer that opens up your relationship with Jesus, gives you access to all of his promises. So why don't you pray this prayer with me? Just everybody in here today say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again from the grave. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. My past, it's gone. And all things are made new right now. Father, I thank you. Based on the authority of your word, I now have access to eternal life and to all the promises that you have for your believers. In Jesus' name, amen.